Welcome to To The Point with Clark Pena, a national podcast. We are a 100% uncensored talk show discussing the current state of affairs in law and order. We would like to thank the women and men that stand the line to protect our freedoms and keep us safe. Please have your questions and comments ready as we get To The Point with Clark Pena. Hello, Clark. Good evening, Mike. We're back. How are We're you? We're back, my friend. Listen, October. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. How was your week? Good, good. What, 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 uh, what's with you? Just, just the same old. Just working, working on this program, making sure that we put out the best product possible with your help. And uh, from what I understand and the feedback, we're doing very well. Thank God. Knock on wood. Yes. Yep. <laughs> October 9th, October 9th, 2020, this is 7.30, and we are to the point. Mike, you know what time it is, or do you know what time it is? Uh, you know what? Th- this week, I am going to go with, what is Clark's rant for 600? 600, can we lower it down a little bit? I've got 150? We could take that out the budget. I clock on. Here you go. You ready? Ready, ready, ready for clock? I am ready, my brother. Listen, it's really crazy what's been going on lately in the New York City Police Department. There's something that just came out. It's called Blue Flight. 34,488 is the head count right now for the New York City Police Department. On Tuesday, 2,171 uh, to this date have, have, have retired in the month. We have. During the first five months of 2020, 200 police officers have retired each month, each month following, 400 in June, more than 400 each month in the month of July, August, and September. A high-ranking officer is soon to retire by the name of Chief Nilda Hoffman. She's uh, one of the top Hispanics or Latinas in the New York City Police Department. And uh, for those that would like to attend a walk-up, it would be greatly appreciated. She is leaving at the end of the month as well. We have uh, Sergeant Johnny Nunez, the president of the Global Alliance Hispanic Law Enforcement Professionals, who's an instructor in the police academy. And he's hanging up his gun belt as well at the end of the month. But this is the breaking news. October class has been canceled for the New York City Police Department. Once again, the October class has unfortunately been canceled for those candidates that have been waiting. but what's really unfortunate, uh, not only for the candidates, for the community, what's going to happen to our seniors? What's going to happen to our community members? What's going to happen to our bodega owners? They're going to be unsafe. It's just a matter of fact. The police commissioner said this today. We're living in troubling times. You're damn right we are. That's my rant. That's my story, Mike. Oh, we broke another one. Just, 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 just add it to the bill. 
Add it to the bill. Add it to you the know, bill. Oh, plastic. Make sure they bring plastic, not glass anymore. Got it. Yeah, I got it. Actually, you know what, Clark? Uh, I installed a camera in your office there. I don't know if you know about it, but we, we, we do have video of, of a little still. Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. That's the same description from the uh, from the Pence fly. I think it is. I think we got it. I think it is the Pence fly. I said, no, we got him, though. Can't mess with this Hispanic. <laughs> Mike, we have so many issues to talk about, to, uh, to talk about this law and disorder throughout our city, our state, our nation. And we uh, were lucky enough, and he was uh, really honored us by accepting the invitation. Uh, please uh, introduce our special guest and good friend of our show. Okay, well, we're very happy to have him with us this week. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Dr. Darren Porcher, criminal justice professor, retired NYPD lieutenant, retired Army officer, TV, TV commentator to Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, Court TV. This guy's done everything, Clark, and I'm glad he's here. Let's bring Absolutely. him in, okay? Welcome, Absolutely. Dr. Porcher. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Clark. It's a privilege to be on the show with guys of your stature. You're expanding on your celebrity, and I'm fortunate to be a part of the trappings of your success. <laughs> expanding. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. I'm glad. You know, not for nothing. And I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna speak in in, in complete transparency. I paid you guys some money, you know, to get on the show, you know. So I was fortunate enough to to drop a couple of stacks to get on the show. And now I'm here. Yeah, so, we we appreciate that. That was very I nice. Just, I, I just, you know, I just got a couple of conditions. Under no circumstances are we to bash our beloved mayor, Bill de Blasio, because that's the greatest mayor that we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And I just think I, that he's taking unfair criticism because he's a great guy. He's spot on. And that Thrive NYC, that $900 million that's missing, I can guarantee you that that money is being put to good use. So just those of you that are in denial, you know. The doctor, if that's the condition, watch. if that's the condition, this show is about, it's over. <laughs> no, well, I can't leave. You know, true story, Mike Clark, you know I'm a member of BLM, right? Okay. You got to Oh, yeah. Blue Lives Matter. That's BLM, right? Oh, here you go. Where's the plot? There are two BLMs. All right. So I go. want to be clear. I need to, you guys to understand. I am a proud card-carrying member of BLM. It just happens to be Blue Lives Matter. So There we go. Full disclaimer. Full disclosure. All right. Full disclaimer. Full disclaimer and full disclosure. And full disclosure. We are in the building, and we're gonna crush this thing, and we're gonna steamroller like you've never seen before. Hit it! Outstanding, outstanding, Doctor. Let's jump right to it because we have uh, we have twenty. I think it's twenty-seven minutes. Not twenty-six minutes. Okay. The blue flight. What is going on? You know, people are jumping ship. They're getting they're getting the hell out of town. Well, I, you know, I can give you based on my experience as a prior practitioner Please. in the NYPD, I served 20 years. And one of the things that I saw was I was a cop. I was an undercover in the 90s when the crap, when the crap epidemic was at its apex. And as dangerous as it was, we had upwards of 2,200 homicides one year. I actually enjoyed coming to work because they allowed us to function as police officers. 
Now, as time has progressed and we've gotten to the um, the point of the de Blasio administration, we've seen a rapid decline in not just morale, but logistics and policy that not only supports members of the NYPD, but supports the eight and a half million citizens that occupy or reside within the city of New York. The city is under siege. The, quali the quality of life is in a recession, and you have many officers that feel that as if they don't want to want to be a part of what's taking place. You know, one of the things I look to with uh, Police Commissioner Shame, I, I, I refer to him as Shame, but we'll refer to him as Shay on the show. The reason why I refer to him as Shame is because you can't align yourself. You you can't align yourself with nonsense and expect people to look to you and say, "Okay, he's just doing what the boss tells him." No, look, if you are an avid professional crime fighter and you see that the strategies being employed is flawed, that's when you need to make your exit. If you're diametrically opposed to a strategy, that's when you need to step out and say, hey, look, you know, that's all folks. I tried, but unfortunately, the elected official being de Blasio has a different mindset or a different vision on public safety than I do. So I think we're both we're best suited for me to exit the ship and bring someone else in that'll fool like a chair to the sentiment of de Blasio's rule. And, and, and someone and like real that- quick, Mike, 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 if yeah, I may, but, let me just follow up on that so we can move yeah. on to the next topic is, is uh, what, the October class is canceled. So what's gonna happen with the numbers? You have more people going out, uh, nobody's coming in to cover those seats. So the final question on, on, on this topic is, what's gonna happen uh, with the you're police referring you're, you're referring to something that we, we refer to as the attrition rate. You know, attrition the backfill rate, right. is not coming in to uh, to rise the numbers of sworn officers. This is a problem because we clearly see that there's an immense need for personnel in um, 10 precincts in particular in the city of New York that have been plagued with gun violence and a multitude of different crimes that are subsequently causing the city to spiral out of control. Now is the time that we need to focus on a level of omnipresence. When I say omnipresence, the mere having officers walking footposts in these areas that are under, under siege, targeted enforcement. I've heard the police commission refer to this as precision policing, but ultimately it's placing officers in the hot spots that have the greatest propensity for crime. If you don't backfill the attrition based on the officers that are retiring, then you don't have the ability to present a, a, a standing um, omnipresence in those particular communities. And it, it just goes back to years ago, we had something we referred to as impact, so to speak. With the impact zones, that's what we did with the officers that came out of the police academy. They went into these troubled zones and they basically stood there um, and it acted as a deterrent. And so when you look at crime reduction strategies, this has been a consistent remedy throughout the course of time. However, de Blasio doesn't understand it. He thinks that we're going to have social workers that are going to parachute into <laughs> the hoods and, and disarm criminals and take back the streets. It's just not going to happen. And, you know, I just heard the lunatic uh, the other day in a press conference speaking to the potential suitors for the position of mayor in the up and coming election next year, stating this is not a great job. If I were you, I wouldn't do it. And that let, clearly <laughs> lets me know that he wasn't all in. He checked out right before the presidential election and never checked back in. One of the good things that I give de Blasio credit for was I was very happy that he did run for president because by running for president, 
he now universalized his failures on a national level because we see it here in New York, but now the whole country saw the the epic collapse of his failed policies. And he, he was someone that polled at less than 1%, I think it was. So I thought less that that was a great thing. You know, so that being said, that was one of the positive things that he's done or committed to in his administration is when he ran for president. So we all could see what was going on. But as it relates to the blue flight, this is something that we really need to pay attention to. And I'm shuddering because the public safety sentiment is going down the drain. Yes. Well said. Very well said. Just to touch on that real quick, Cluck, I just wanted to ask Dr. Porter, the uh, Dr. Um, um, Commander Shame, as you call him, if he were to stand uh, up. Commissioner Shame. Commissioner Shame. If he would uh, stand up to de Blasio and say, I'm not going to do this, this guy would be a hero. This guy would be, you know, he. he absolutely. Would, he'd be a hero. And I, I just, I don't understand, but someone else behind him will, will do, will fall into line and do what, what, whatever he says. But this guy would, he would have his ticket to anywhere, this guy. And, yeah, and, absolutely right. You know, and I just don't see why it doesn't work. And another thing, too, is people ask me, what 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 can they do? What can the people of New York City do if this tyrant, de Blasio, like you said, the $900 million investigations, he just, what can they do to, to move him out of the way and have the police police? I think that it's highly unlikely considering that the mayor has um, next, uh, November of next year is when we have the next mayoral election. So to insert some, a, a replacement would be somewhat of a challenge. This is something that can be implemented by Governor Cuomo. He on many occasions has stated that if de Blasio doesn't write the ship, he'd be replaced. But I just think that was more hyperbole than anything else. I don't mm -hmm. foresee Governor Cuomo taking that uh, proactive step in removing the mayor. I just think that we have what we have. This is the horse that we rode in. We're crashing into the ocean and we need the brace for impact because we have another mayor that's going to come in next year and we need to be hopeful that this individual that comes in will be someone that will impact a change and, and in, enact a seismic shift in policing and public safety in the city of New York. I'm not saying that it needs to be total wholehearted arrest or proactive policing, so to speak. I think policing should be quintessential across the board, but at the same token, there, need to be a, there needs to be a sound and plausible strategy for public safety that can subsequently advance the social contract, which affords citizens protections by government. And that's not what we're seeing from City Hall. So what citizens can do is, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of every day you gather by the thousands in front of Gracie Mansion and City Hall, and you protest the way these lunatics are holding up these signs and the fist, no justice, no peace. <laughs> you go down to City Hall and you do the same thing, and you speak to how our communities are under siege, and the failure of de Blasio's policies have subsequently led to the city spiraling out of control. Mm. Yeah. Great I answer. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree 110%. Yeah, yeah, you need that, that home run sound, you know, that, that with the hitting. Yeah, out of the ball. you have it. I don't. I don't. No, no, I, I, don't? I, I, I don't have my bullhorn. I'll have it out tomorrow. But, um, <laughs> yes, I'm going up to yes. Marinick. Um, Clark, you going to be in Marinick tomorrow? You know, I was invited. I'm, I'm really unsure. Oh, okay. But now that you're on that, doctor, you. you know, let's that's talk not, about that. Um, that's, that that wasn't don't... high on your depth chart, Clark. Forgive me. No, there was less no, than no. three thousand people that were going to be there, so that's <laughs> why. Negative. Look. It's, it's the mask stuff. It's the mask stuff. It scares me a little bit. 
Okay. You know, but Our you've people. done a lot, Doctor. Let, let, let's touch up on some of the stuff that the doctor has done. We have some clips. Uh, you were just uh, uh, you did those walks, those blue life uh, matter walks. Uh, BLM, was, uh, one I of the walks. It, uh, BLM, BLM, BLM. Right there, we go. Yeah, that's you. What were you? What were you? That's oh, that's when you were on Fox with uh, with that. Oh. I saw that, uh, Doctor, with all the law enforcement. Okay. That was a great. That was a great interview. I really did. Well, enjoy thank that. you. Appreciate it. That was actually a live show that we had on Fox. When I say a live show, it was um, they were basically the networkers paying homage to police officers, and that was Wonderful. Police Week, and they brought in a contingent of officers from different places, and um, we spoke to you know how police and community, um, the the two entities need to embrace one, embrace as one under this symbiotic relationship and unify. And that's kind of what we did when you showed that clip on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Great clip. Great clip. It is. I was just out in, um, out, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, so the, t you know, today, yeah, earlier this week, I'm going to say Monday this week, I was out in Idaho. Um, I was a keynote speaker along with the governor of Idaho and it was a back to blue rally. And I spoke at the largest arena in Idaho, um, the Idaho center. And we, we had, I, I was able to introduce a poignant messaging to a mass of people that were in wholehearted agreement with the points that I was introducing, but we were just speaking to how necessary it is for us to sustain that obligation of police and community, maintaining that sound relationship. And you yeah. must congratulations. Must, yeah, it must have been pretty receptive, right? Because I think I think we're all not that far apart on what we want. Everybody wants to be safe. At the end of the day, they want to be able to go home safe. And I, I just don't see even when you have the protesters, six thousand, eight thousand, that's a drop in the bucket to the people that aren't on their side. So it, it has to be I'm not saying revolution, or anything like that, but it has to be a little you know, give and take. And it, what is it in, in life? There's always a, a reaction and a, you know, opposite there's action and a reaction. So there has to be, it has to sway the other way and has to be brought back on track. And I, I, I hope people start doing that soon. I really do. I agree. Yeah. All right. Cause and effect is of optimum importance that we pay attention to what's happening. The key is the disease is crime. The cure is law enforcement. And we need to apply the cure to the disease, but we need a receptive electorate and elected officials to stand behind and coalesce the strategy so we can advance that agenda. And it's not happening yet. No, but actually, Clark, can, can I shift gears here for a second? No, absolutely. Go right ahead, Mike. So right when, ahead. When, when you talk about that, uh, Dr. Porcher, you talk about, uh, you know, we need a shift and all that. So take this, the Brianna Taylor case, for example, how can things like that uh, sort of, doesn't that sort of derail the narrative in a way that, that the media, I don't want to say they blow it out of proportion. Any, any life that, that is taken, I, I think it's, it's, it's terrible, but they, they play that against, they pit one against another and use that to, to further divide. So how can, how can we nip it in the bud, say, so to speak, and say, things like this are going to happen, but how do we just keep moving forward and, and bring everybody together? Well, the problem with the Brianna Taylor situation was um, we have to look at it from the perspective of we have um, annually, we have 250 million interactions between police and citizens on an annual level, 250 million interactions or engagements. And this is in a country of 327 million people, 
with eight to 900,000 police officers. However, we have a very small percentage of those interactions that in are, um, amount to a police shooting. I want to say it's upwards of maybe a thousand a year. We have a thousand police shootings annually or throughout the course of th um, 300 and, um, excuse me, 250 million inter interactions or engagements. So the, I want to say the level of success is very high in, t in connection with the number of times police are engaging with the community as opposed to when a firearm is uh, discharged. Now, when we look at what happened with the death of Breonna Taylor, it was a horrible situation. In no way, shape, or form is that the end game that we look to um, that that we look to connect with as law enforcement. Unfortunately, things happen, and when I say things happen, that doesn't mean I'm not saying it from the perspective of you win some, you lose some. We always want to get better at this um, when we're engaging in um, in interactions from an arrest perspective. Now. There are competing narratives in connection with the uh, the warrant that occurred at Brianna Taylor's residence. Um, the police had five search warrants, um, and they they were to be executed simultaneously in connection with Brianna Taylor's ex-boyfriend. It was identified that Brianna Taylor's residence was being maintained as a stash house. Mm -hmm. They had um, wiretaps where Brianna Taylor was actually. Um, she was mentioned on these wiretaps. So this information was introduced to a judge based on the provision of probable cause. Probable cause was is the standard of proof necessary to obtain a, a warrant. A judge signs off on the warrant, the officers go to the residence and they execute the warrant. And they were given what we refer to as no-knock no status. No-knock st no status is basically, you don't have to knock on the door, you can barge through the door, because there's a propensity for danger or the destruction of evidence. We, they, the, the judge believed that there was a propensity for danger of the destruction of evidence because we're speaking the drugs that were being housed at the location. So in any event, the officers elected to knock on the door as opposed to not knock on the door. They knocked on the door for a number of minutes. They announced their presence as police search warrants. They subsequently come into the um, into the residence, and Brianna Taylor's current boyfriend, who's not mentioned in the warrant, it was the ex-boyfriend, but the current boyfriend fires at a police officer and shoots the sergeant. The police officers return fire, and Brianna Taylor was unfortunately, tragically um, lost her life as a result of this interaction. Case subsequently goes to the grand jury. None of the three officers were indicted in the grand jury um, based on the death of Breonna Taylor. However, one of the officers was indicted for um, shooting in an area that was perceived as being dangerous, so to speak. So right. to speak. So wanting, wanting endangerment, right? Right, wanting endangerment. So that being said. That's what the officer was indicted for because it was perceived that the bullet that this officer fired went into another residence, creating a, a level of public alarm for that um, that additional residence. Right. Tragedy, 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 to say the least. But the problem is the community initially was giving a false narrative. The false narrative was police came in there, they knocked on the door, they shot Brianna Taylor. I've heard 
from as wide a range of they, the police were at the wrong house. Brianna Taylor was, uh, but it, you know, I'm just getting away from that. But the truth of the matter is, when we disagree with something that has been partaken by police, it's okay. We need to do it in a peaceful manner. The protests should fall within the provisions of the First Amendment. People speak to peaceful protests. When you block an intersection, you now prohibit emergency vehicles that are possibly going to save the life of someone that is not connected with this demonstration. You're basically putting that person's life at risk. So when you do block these intersections, this is not only illegal, but it can be deadly. I go back a couple of years ago on the Brook on the um the George Washington Bridge. We had um, Bill Baroni um, at the time. Chris Christie was the governor of New Jersey. Bill Baroni um, and Bridget Kelly were tried and convicted for committing to a similar act in that they closed off lanes on the on the George Washington Bridge, creating a, a catastrophic traffic jam. And what was brought to um to forth what was brought to the forefront was look, you know what, you really endangered the public based on the inability of an emergency vehicle to possibly step in and rescue someone if need be necessary. But based on your frivolously, frivolous closing of those lanes on a George Washington Bridge, you put the public at harm. I don't see the same, by the way, Bill Baroni and Bridget Kelly, they were tried and sentenced to jail. I don't see the same thing happening in New York City, which should happen. I think that it's it, it would send a clear message that look, when you embark upon these protests, which you, you which you deem as nonviolent, you are putting the public's life at risk when you are not allowing emergency vehicles to um, enter and exit as they see fit. There are sidewalks, there are locations you can pro you can protest in front of City Hall. There's a multitude of different areas that you can protest in. That's not what's happened. So what happened with Breonna Taylor is we had public outrage. We had riots, we had looting, and the people were destroying the very communities that they lived in. Right. And you tell me if that was, how productive is that? It's not. It's not. Well, how, at all. How, do, how do we educate the people real quick, Dr. Portrait? Because they're out in the streets with, they're going to burn the cities down. They're going to burn every police state down. How do we educate them and say, and, and say the numbers that you just said and say, you know, unfortunately, things like this happen. If there's a if there's a crime, the person will be prosecuted. But it, it's it's a, a matter of educating these people. I think I don't know what it is. To be honest with you. Well, the first thing is we need more and more citizens to tune into the um to the point with Clark Pena. Number one. Number two is more and more people in um throughout our communities need to embrace the fact that we need to go to um we need to try to get to a better place by looking at the ills or the wrongs in society we look at what happened with rodney king back in the early 90s they rioted in los angeles they burned down the communities it actually got them nowhere the same holds true with these riots and looting that that, that have occurred in prim primarily the cities of um, the communities of color in the united states you're destroying your own communities. You are devaluating the socioeconomics in that neighborhood. You want to build, not destroy. How we build is through education. We need to constantly introduce and reintroduce the narrative of we want to we want to make our communities more wholesome and more robust, as opposed to diminishing our communities. That policing community relationship, 
coincides with that same message. And we need to have that message amplified more and more. And that I think can get us to a better place. But in addition to that, we need to co-op co-op more suitors within these communities. When I say co-op more suitors in these communities, meaning grassroots organizations that live in these communities that are under siege through gun violence. These communities are under siege and we need to get the message out from citizens, not just police. And that's where the, that, that's where this thing works. If it's just police, it'll never work. But if it's the two entities in policing communities, we're bound to be successful. I have I have a parent uh, that stepped up to me and uh, she asked me, uh, Clark, you know, my son has always wanted always wearing the uniform as an eight year old child. And all of a sudden he stopped wearing the uniform because watching all these protests on TV. He tells his mother, I no longer want to be a police officer. What do you tell that mother? Um, how should she address this issue uh, to that young child and all other mothers that may be going through the same issue? Well, that's a very challenging issue because when you look at the social dynamic that a child in an age group is experiencing, he or she is pulled in multiple different directions. And a lot of this is outside of the parent's control. And I give you an example. When you were a kid, we um we lived the, we lived the double life. When we're in front of our parents, there's a certain role that we portray, but when we're around our friends, there's a different role that we portray. Um, the parents wanna do the best that they can to introduce the most positive aspects of life, such as going to school, like, you know, one I remember years ago, they had, you know, don't do drugs, this is your brain on drugs. And a lot of people were turned off by that. I thought that it was a sound message, but it needs to reverberate. You need to consistently have the same type of messaging in as many places as possible for uh, um, you to partake or embark upon a pathway of success. So if you don't wanna become a cop, that's fine. There are other plausible alternatives that are successful, that are contributors to a positive lifestyle in the city of New York. You don't want to be a cop, fine. You can be an EMT. You can be an accountant. There's a multitude of different, you can work in the media. There's a multitude of different things or factions that you can partake in. However, the key is if you don't want to be a cop, that's fine. Let's get you online with something that is positive as opposed to something that's negative. All right. Well said. Well said. Yes. Well, Clark, I, we're, we're up to 31 minutes. We, we try to strictly keep it to 28, but it, how can you keep it to 28? Oh, I'm sorry. Now with no, no, no. Dr. Dr. Porcher, you get so much No, I'm running my mouth over here and going no, on. No, no, on. we're learning. Look, doctor, okay. I'm taking notes. I'm yeah, in look, class. Okay. Dr. Porcher, my book is thicker than Clark's. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, 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 yes. You, I mean, clo in closing, Mike, and then, you, you know, you, you can do a quick one also. Um, uh, law enforcement organizations—they uh, all seem to get together. All the all the labor unions, and they said, "Dr. Parcher can uh, can talk for all of us." When you uh, participated in that excellent public service announcement about law enforcement, how did that come about? Well, I, you know, I, we basically got into the war room. It was Clark Pena and Mike, and Michael said, "Look, Darren, if you don't make a decision right now." we are gonna publicly smear you. And so I said, okay, oh, really? well, Mike, yeah, yeah, that's what Mike said. And Mike never told you this, right? But you know, off air, he really laid Forget down the law it. with me and said, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I, no, it, it was one of those things It just, we sat down and we had an information exchange of ideas and the, um, I guess the unions were comfortable with the messaging and that's what we advanced as a result. 
So it, you know, it's not so much as it's not so much as me being the best person or the worst person or in the middle of the road. It was just it just happened to be a message that people were comfortable with and they felt that it was universal and that's why it was put out there. Well, they chose right. It went viral. Well, yeah, I'm 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 happy that it did. Yeah, you know, so. it really did, really did, Mike. Wow. No, I, I mean, that's great. He's a great guest. I learned a lot and, and it's, it's nice to hear straight talk. And, and, and that's exactly what Dr. Porcher, he just, he said it flat out the language and the, you know, the words everyone can understand. So I'm and very, Dr. Porcher, very good. thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you do. I go to all these events and I love to hear you talk. I watch you all the time and, and you do great work and continued success. Thank you for your service in the army. As well for well, all those thank veterans. You, Clark. He was an officer Appreciate in the army. It. And here's here you yeah, are. There you go. There you go. The, the younger years, right? <laughs> which goes <laughs> to the younger years. Yeah, yeah. Doctor, what was your MOS? in that picture? Um, man, it, it's so crazy. Yeah, I was a platoon leader. Um, I was a platoon leader. And then I was an assistant company commander, and I was a company commander. So I was an S one, S two, S three, and S four. Wow. Um, I was in a command track. I, I, I was in a command track. That's really what it was. So like a lot of what I did wasn't like, I didn't necessarily have a specialty in that. Look, you right. know, like this person is solely um, functions as an infantry officer and that's all they do. Just based on right. being in a command track, it was so I can go anywhere from the 82nd Airborne to an, a unit like one of these medical units. And, and that's kind of like in that picture you showed, I think I was in a, I think I was, um, in EXO, in a, in a, no, I was a platoon leader in this picture in a medical unit, I believe. Yes, because I can look and I could see the medical, uh, the, the, the medical logos there. But then, yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, Thanks. yeah, yeah. Then I rotated out of that. You were squared away. You were squared away. <laughs> yeah. Definitely yeah, well, squared away. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, doctor. Well, listen, thank doctor, Mike. Yes. Doctor, thank you so much, for sir, for taking the time. And thanks for having me, Mike. And thanks for having me, Clark. And I'm looking forward to hopefully coming back on the show. I'll give you guys the two grand on the side, the way you ask, tax-free, of course. And then we can get this thing up and running. Uh, just drop you. it off on the corner. I'm That's good. what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, cool. Take care. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Take it easy. Be safe. Thanks, All guys. right. Be well. Wow. What, what a, a great gentleman. Dr. Darren yeah. Porcher. Yes. What a great guy. And he's done so much, Mike. He's done so much. And it's really a pleasure. Thank you so much for, you know, bringing us all together, man. This is really special. Special yeah. day for this program. It is. Like you said, we, Clark, if, if you get a chance, everyone gets a chance to watch it back. We have great comments. I, I, I apologize for not putting them up, but I didn't want to, you know, Dr. Porcher was, mm -hmm. was going on and, and I didn't want to, uh, you know, we have a lot of thank you for service, Dr. Porcher, another excellent show and, and a lot of, a lot of nice comments. So if everyone That's gets wonderful, it, let's, let's, let's take the, the final minutes, Mike, and let's, uh, let's thank all those that are, you know, we have to thank our no nonsense, uh, president of the, uh, Sergeant's Benevolent Association, Ed Mullins, uh, and his great people, uh, uh, his vice president, Vinny uh, Vallelong, and, and Anna, and Ed, and the office staff, uh, Teresa, and, and Colleen, and all of those folks, they, they really care. They did something that a lot of other labor unions should do. When you're not included in the conversation, Mike, create a conversation. And that's what Ed Mullins is doing. That's a great point. That's a great point. And Clark, I, I was just handed something from uh, someone from the booth. Only one fly was hurt during this this show. So 
We, That's we, great. Um, I don't know what to do with that one slide. Should we uh, ha have it sent out for uh, for DNA or something? We could send it off to the lab. I think that's what yeah, you, we'll, that's what you we'll take it out. We'll we'll have them invoices for that as well. <laughs> next next week we have we have a great show. We have a great show for you. Our guest, you want to talk a little about next week, or should we just tease them during the week? We'll post it up there. Ah, you know what? Let's let's just have them tune in. Tune it's in a great in. guest, and we're gonna we're gonna have another great time, and and yes. we move forward, Mike. Yes. Thank you, Clark. Thank you again, Doctor Porsche. Thank you, Porsche. sir. Everybody for watching. We'll see you. We'll, we'll we'll see you soon. We'll stay tuned. Keep keep checking in. We have a lot of have a great again. And have a great weekend, Mike. You too, and happy Columbus Day. Absolutely. Thank you all. Thank you. God bless. Okay. Good night, everybody. Good night. Mm -hmm.